Hey, my name is Zach, and this is the Plaid Jacket Philosopher, the podcast for tradespeople and the blue-collar middle class. I'm open to punch a few holes in the stereotypes that surround blue-collar workers and hopefully share a lot of the stories behind how we got into our line of work and the honest joy you can get from working outside of the office space. The plan is to mix in interviews as well as some solo stories from job sites, fatherhood, and personal experiences that led me to where I am today. Some will be funny, some will be personal, but hopefully any and all content here can help broaden what your opinion is of the blue-collar middle class. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to another week. Uh, this one's going to be a little bit short, maybe a bit choppy. Sorry about that, but we have family staying over for the week, so uh, they're using my office area to sleep in, and it's, you know, it's not really uh, conducive to recording a podcast. So this one's going to be a little bit short, a little bit quicker. Next week, I hope to get uh, back to my kind of regular scheduled program as far as time length goes and everything. This week, I wanted to talk about Bill C-10 and Bill C-36 in particular, as it pertains to this election, it is one of, in my opinion, one of the key, uh, the key points in the campaign, the key issues that have been going on. And maybe you don't know much about it, uh, certainly with the way COVID has been evolving and now this passport mandate has been coming along, uh, you know, that sucked a lot of my attention away from everything else as well. And uh, I'm not forgetting about what's going on there. I just... <laughs> I've got to take a break from it, to be honest. Uh, it's mind-numbing. I'm going to come back to it kind of as it evolves and as it rolls out. Again, we are in two weeks from today when I'm recording when it'll take place. So September 13th, it kicks in, and then everybody will need their second shot by October 24th. Anyway, the little update on that, just because I can't really escape it right now. Um, so there have been a lot more calls, again, to restrict unvaccinated people from healthcare. Uh, so far, there have been at least two documented accusations of this happening. Both of them were in Enderby, British Columbia. So again, I don't know if it was just one clinic, what the deal is here, but they're both out of Enderby. One of them being just a man who was unvaccinated decided it wasn't, you know, it didn't uh, suffice to go to the emergency room because it wasn't that serious, but he was turned away for being unvaccinated. And then the second was a 13-year-old boy who was turned away, you know, despite the fact that both of his parents are vaccinated and, you know, but the 13-year-old the kid was turned away based on his personal vaccination status, which again, it's crazy. And this is something that we really have to keep in mind when it comes to these mandates, these lockdowns, and where kind of the public pressure is pushing these sectors, primarily in healthcare. That is considered in Canada a right. That's why we have public health care. You know, it may be a different discussion when you're talking about private health insurance companies, but when it is a public service, that is accessible to all Canadians. And, you know, that to me, again, I, I'm just, I'm trying not to sound the alarm too early, but I do think that this is kind of where things are headed and it's nerve wracking. The other key issue, and sorry, I swear to God, I'm going to get onto Bill C-10 and out of this, but this is something that's really pressing locally and I'm going to be covering it more, I'm sure, as it rolls into effect. But uh, the other issue here is that there is no medical exemption to this. Meaning, and there have been a lot of stories that have come out about this, let's say somebody had every intention of getting vaccinated. They take the first shot, they have a terrible reaction to it, their doctor tells them that they should not receive the second shot. Okay, so those people who have been vaccinated once, as of October 24th, again, when the second shot is mandatory, they will not be allowed to access these air quote privileges either. Now, is this a choice? I would argue no. 
Same with the people who were told that they can't receive either shot of them because, you know, their immune system can't handle it, whatever the case may be. They're being barred from these same, again, air quote, privileges with zero say in the matter. So even the guys that this mandate is being taken on by people's choice is false. Because how do you say that either of these groups of people have any say in the matter of being barred from restaurants, sporting events, uh, theaters, whatever other public event that they're talking about, weddings, for fuck's sake. You're not allowed to go, even if you had every intention of getting vaccinated. You know, it's, it's madness to me. And this just, you know, I, I don't know what else to say about this right now. Again, I'm getting on to Bill C-10 and Bill C-36, but that's where we're at right now. I will be talking about the mandates, I'm sure, more in the future, but uh, this is enough time spent on it for today. So the intended aim of Bill C-10, which is to alter the Broadcasting Act, it's trying to drag the internet basically into broadcast regulations. So what Canada has is it is called the CRTC, so it's the Canadian Radio, Television, and Telecommunications Commission. They basically oversee all Canadian programming that, especially you in the States, probably have never seen because most of it is trash. But what the whole point of this bill is to make sure that it gets equal eyes to it, an equal opportunity, because, you know, that's how that's going to prop up Canadian artists and, you know, hopefully make the product better. I mean, I'm not I'm not dogging on every single Canadian show. We've got good shows, too, such as the Red Green Show, one of the best. But Anyway, uh, so that this is the intended goal of the broadcasting or the amendment to the Broadcasting Act. So what it is saying, so, you know, we haven't had it updated since 1991. So it's trying to encourage Canadians to seek Canadian content across streaming platforms and to get these companies to invest in Canadian products. Uh, this started kind of as an attempt to, again, fix the Broadcasting Act and treat streaming services as broadcasters. Uh, but... Now, the key thing, actually, sorry, I'll go through the pros first, and then I'll get into it. So the argument is that streaming and content services have too much power in cultivating our feeds and that government needs to intervene. Now, what they don't say here is that now, rather than the streaming service getting to cultivate our feeds, the government will get to cultivate our feeds. Now, that's ironically, or, you know, it's left out of the the pro argument, but that is the case. So the other idea is, is that it could help combat fake news and regulate information spread. Again, I don't know if that is a good thing or a bad thing when you're allowing a government to regulate information. You know how I stand. It's a, I'd argue it's a bad thing. So it's also hoping to bring some transparency to the media platforms on how the algorithms and feeds are curated. Again, while they curate the feeds and algorithms. So <laughs> now when they're talking about streaming services, it's not just talking about, you know, your Netflix or your HBO, any of those those services. It's also talking about YouTube, uh, podcasts. And now is where we get into really the darker aspects of the bill. Because again, a lot of that stuff, you know, there are some pro arguments for that in trying to help Canadian artists, in trying to promote Canadian-themed media in whatever form it is. But here's where it gets interesting. Now, there was an amendment to the bill that would basically exclude user generated content. So that would be at the very basic level, you know, Facebook lives, uh, YouTube videos by Canadian content producers, just like small time channels, very small time. Now they took that amendment out. 
And that says a lot to me because why why are you trying to, you know, regulate every single individual Canadian's media platform as though it were a broadcast television show? Why why would you do that? Again, they may say that it's to try to stop fake news or whatever. I personally wouldn't see it that way. And, you know, a former director of the CRTC, he, he was quoted as saying that it is, quote, a hammer to intimidate freedom of expression, end quote. You know, that's kind of how I see it. And this is a guy who used to be, again, the director of the commission. And th- that's his line about it now. That's how he views the exclusion of this exemption in the bill because that's really what it does come down to now you know you hear all the time uh people saying that you know nobody's watching you nobody cares what you have to say and that i wholeheartedly agree with that for the most part you know as a as an individual person they don't care you know this podcast is small enough uh, nobody cares it doesn't catch flack it doesn't catch a ton of attention right but that doesn't matter because once the precedent is set and again, this this relates not just to this government, but if you, let's say you agree with the liberals on where they stand on everything, which again, I don't, but let's say you do. Well, now in the future, let's say in eight years, a completely different party gets elected, one that is on the opposite end of the political spectrum, and you disagree with them fervently. Well, they still have this same hammer to come smack down on your vo- you vocalizing your opinion about them. So keep that in mind when we're talking about this. But again, going back to them not watching everybody, and I, again, I agree. They aren't going to watch everybody. They don't have the time. They don't have the resources. What's the point of people yelling at the clouds into their phone? I get it. But that doesn't matter. Because once the president is set, all they have to do, it's like whack-a-mole. You know, anytime one little content producer gets high, rises high enough in the ranks, they have that hammer to smack him back down. So you don't have to play every single hole at once. You aren't covering every single hole in whack-a-mole. You're just taking out the ones as they rise up. It's a lot easier. And that's really the way to look at this. And again, this power will be in place for the next or the future governments down the line too. That's one thing that we seem to forget anytime we write anything into legislation or set a precedent, that this can be called back upon at any time. This obviously relates right to the mask, or not mask mandates. I don't give a fuck about the mask mandates, but this relates right back to the vaccine passports and vaccine mandates. It's very clear. That's what we need to look out for, in my opinion. And again, that's the argument that I have with people who say that, well, you know, there's no harm in this. I think that they're coming from a morally just background, that their opinion is good. And it's like, okay, okay, maybe you think that. But by giving them this power and this overreach... This is still going to be written in stone when the next government comes in. And that's something that I think we all need to be a lot more cognizant of and realize that down the line, this stuff is still going to be biting us in the ass. And again, like this is all giving the Canadian government the authority to mess with the algorithms and the feeds that you see every day. (laughs) I, I just, I don't think that that is the type of power that we should be putting in a government's hand. And I understand that, especially in Canada, with news stations like the CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, that is a crown company, so they're funded by the government. And, you know, you're you're obviously going to get, for the most part, a bit of a slant on the news. And that's just, you know, that's well known across Canada. That's, it's not like I'm, you know, breaking down any barriers here. That's just well known in Canada. But the idea uh, then to kind of 
reach that farther and advance those powers farther to me, it doesn't make any sense. And it's not something that I want personally with this government. It's not something I want with any government in the future. It doesn't matter what party is in power. To me, it isn't worth putting this control into government's hands. And so an argument was made by the opposition to put this exemption back into place. And so here's a quote from a member of the opposition, it's MP Rachel Harder. So, quote, We're going to have the freedom to explore based on our desires as audience members rather than dictated to by a government-designed algorithm. End quote. So that's her, again, talking about putting this exemption back into place, not to have the authority to really regulate what we're seeing or to have this hammer to come down on the average individual Canadian. Now, moving again, sorry, this episode is a little bit choppy. I'm trying to really get it out quickly. So moving on to Bill C-36. Now, these two kind of work in tandem with each other a little bit. Bill C-36, I think, is a little bit more gray because it does deal with hate speech, which, again, uh, is illegal in Canada. So, you know, there there are laws regarding hate speech, and I think there should be. You know, it, it again, it's a very gray area playing with with freedom of expression and speech because... Okay, so the idea here is that not can you cannot use language that may be uh, may cause discrimination or detestation or vilification of a person. Which, you know, again, I agree. Like, there's there's a lot of words we all know that you you just can't use and you shouldn't use. And I, you know, I don't think that, uh, you know, I just you know racist terms, for example, or anytime you're inciting hate or inciting violence on anybody that that shouldn't be allowed. I get it, but we do have laws in place to prohibit that. So. The idea with Bill C-36 is slapping fines on people who do use this language. It's up to $70,000. So it's, you know, up to $20,000 in compensation to the specific victim and then up to $50,000 to the receiver general. That's just a fine. But the, you know, the idea of bringing back this uh, this Section 13 of the Canadian Human Rights Act, now this was abolished in 2014. And you know, it was it was because of the fact that it was being abused. It was really being used to try to just to try to tangle people up in human rights complaints when they were voicing their opinion. It wasn't inciting hate. It wasn't doing any of that. And that's where this becomes a real gray area. I mean, even, you know, Noam Chomsky was was quoted as saying about this section, I think it's outrageous. Like the comparable European European laws, it's also pure hypocrisy. If it were applied, the media and journals would be shut down. They don't expose current enemies of the state to hatred or contempt. And that was a question mark. So, again, it's just, it's the other part of this too is that it's anonymous reporting. So you may never know who made the complaint. They could be someone with a motivation against you or a history, etc. But you'll never get to know that. So you'll never really be able to mount a defense. Not, I'm not saying that every word is defensible. You know, there's some stuff that is once it's said, it can't be unsaid. But the idea here is, it's again, it's just, it's a bit of a gray area. And we do have laws that are against hate speech, but we don't need to, we don't really need to tighten these up. Like we got rid of these in 2014 for a reason. They were just being overused and they were, you know, they were being abused, to be quite frank. And again, I know this is a gray area. I, I don't know how each of you would feel about this, but it's tough. It's tough when you're starting to really i mean hell if you look in any of the news articles now uh whether it's you know liberal media or conservative media they attack the leaders like crazy and i don't know how this wouldn't fall into 
you know, uh, causing discrimination or detestation or vilification. I mean, hell, like you look at any news article painting any of the political party leaders, if it's from an opposing viewpoint, <laughs> I mean, that is detestation and vilification. I don't know how else you would, you would even, you would describe that like that. That's accurate as to what it is. So it, it doesn't really make much sense to me. It, it Again, it's just, it's playing too much with freedom of expression and freedom of speech. I don't think that we should have too many laws tangling that section up. Because again, the idea with free speech, freedom of speech in general, is it's always going to be viewed as protecting the unpopular opinion. You know, nobody nobody says, if you have a prevailing opinion that's that's popular in today's pop culture, nobody's ever going to view that as hate speech or or, uh, you know, label it as a misuse of freedom of speech because you're just talking with what the current climate will accept, you know? But many times in history, you've had to speak up against things. And that related to civil rights movements, that related to a bunch of different things, but that opinion may have been labeled as hate speech at the time because you're talking counter-culture, counter to the narrative, what's going on. So, you know, that's that's one thing that, kind of frustrates me is that freedom of speech always gets painted as something that just gets used and abused and it's it's not productive we need to have more rules regulating it but but you know anytime you're going to voice an opinion that isn't popular with today's uh, today's whatever the uh, the zeitgeist then you've that's the point of free speech the point of free speech isn't to just talk about you know what color the sky is or how the sports teams are doing it's to really challenge things, and that's why we need to maintain it and need to keep it as open as we possibly can. And I mean, we haven't even gotten into the idea of context or the intent behind any language, so that's next to impossible to regulate by law. Now again, in closing, sorry, thank you for this listening to this episode. It's a little bit choppy, but I just wanted to kind of give a shout out here, and it's helped me connect with a lot of people, and I think a large number of people who listened to the last episode actually heard about it from this group, but uh, there was a Facebook group that popped up last week. When I joined, there were about 800 people in it called the BC Businesses Against Health Pass, which are people basically standing up to this passport mandate. And uh, it was at 800 people when I joined. And now I believe it's six days later, it's at 105,000 people or more, actually more than that. But anyway, uh, it's just incredible. And it's kind of nice to see a like-minded group of individuals. And in that group, there are plenty of vaccinated people, plenty of unvaccinated people, people with, you know, varying opinions on what is going on, but they all unite under the banner that, you know, bodily autonomy is of the utmost importance and that, you know, we need to stand together in defiance of that idea that, and again, I'm, you know, we'll be covering it more. And to those of you who did listen from that group, like, I thank you. Thank you for being here. I'm going to continue kind of talking about this as it goes on, but uh, that group, again, is incredible. It's kind of cool to see that there are other people with the same opinion, and they range all across the political spectrum. They range, again, all across their vaccination status, but they they really do view that this should still be a choice at the end of the day, and that we cannot set this legal precedent that you know the government can stop your free and open movement across the country or, you know, across your society, your town, just based on what you have in your body and what you don't. And that's really what the fundamentals of that argument comes down to. That's, 
my stance on it. I don't have an argument, um, you know, when it comes to vaccines. I think everybody who wants a vaccine should have them. But as far as mandating it, that's a no-go. So anyway, uh, that's it for me today. Thank you. And I'll talk to you all again next week, hopefully with a proper episode. All right, everyone. That's it for today. I hope you found some value in this week's episode. If you did and are interested in more content like this, please rate, review, subscribe, and recommend the podcast to a friend. I really appreciate all the feedback you've given me to this point and look forward to hearing from you again. As always, the podcast page is The Plaid Jacket Philosopher on Facebook, at Jacket Plaid on Twitter, and at Plaid Jacket Philosopher on Instagram. That concludes this week's episode. Thank you so much for the continued support and especially to those of you who reach out weekly with comments on each episode. Have a great week and I'll talk to you all again soon.